take your Bibles and find Deuteronomy, uh, Old Testament, dusty part of your Bibles for some of you, but uh, get to the very first book, keep turning right, you'll run into it, Deuteronomy chapter 6, pretty familiar passage of Scripture, uh, but I want to spend some time working our way through it today. I wrestled with the title, is it Next Level Parenting, is it Next Level Families, doesn't really matter, it's just that you and I in this room go to the next level, that wherever we are, we go further and deeper in our relationship and our walk with the Lord, and I assume that's why you're here, right? You want to know more about Him, you want to look more like Him, you want at the end of the day for God to be able to say of you, well done, good and faithful servant. I remember watching a, an interview that Larry King, now I'm dating myself, I'm, but Larry King did an interview with Billy Graham. Some of you may remember this, and as only Larry King could do, he leaned across that desk and he looked at Billy and he said, so what do you think you'll hear when you get to heaven? And Billy Graham said, well, I would like to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but I don't think I will. And I thought, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> if, if Billy's not going to get this done, I mean, what hope do I have, right? Um, I think it's interesting that God gives us children uh, Somewhat humbles us, doesn't it? Challenges us. Uh, can take us to our knees at times. Today is all about family dedication. And as I chose this text, I, I recognize this is a tricky topic for some people in the room. It's not always comfortable for everybody. Some of you are going, well, it's family dedication and and. We don't have kids, although we desperately want them. And this becomes that, that sore spot. And I want to be sensitive to that today. But I want you to stick with us, okay? You're exactly where God would have you to be. And you need to hear what God has to say today. So even though you think this is only about parenting, I assure you by the time we get at the end of the message, you realize it's more than that. Some of you are... Grandparents, how many grandparents do we have in the room today? Very good. How many soon-to-be grandparents do we have in the room today? I had to do that just because <laughs> I am four weeks out, folks. Four weeks out. Um, great-grandparents? We got any great-grandparents? I know, I, I, I see it. I got a couple. I got to meet yesterday Mamaw and Papaw. Now, that's all I know. I, all I know is Mamaw and Papaw. But Mamaw and Pothal are great-grandparents helping to raise and influence Wesley that was up here today. And I, I was so excited to get to meet them yesterday and to see that second and third generation keep pouring back in, right? How, how important is all of this? So that's where we're headed today. I'm going to tell you that don't write this off as only being for the families that were up here. Matter of fact, Let's just pause for a moment. I want to do two things. I want us to pause and pray and pray for the country of Israel. 
I want us to pray for those that are trapped in Gaza, for Palestinians who have no part of this evil, but are influenced by the evil around them, and for the nation of Israel, for God to protect it. Next Sunday, the Lord willing, I'm going to preach a message about why we support Israel and how we can pray for Israel. I think it's that important. Okay, so if we can pray for that today. And then I want you to pray, Lord, that you will help me no matter what my status and stage of life is in family. That you'll help me have ears to hear today your word. Let's pray. Father, in days like this and the times of crisis that our world faces... I feel so inadequate as to how to pray and what to ask for. But I feel so secure that I can ask you, the only wise God, the omniscient one, the one who has all power and strength and who orchestrates all things. Father, we ask today that you being the God of all gods and the hope of this world, that you will bring safety and salvation to many around the globe. We pray specifically for Israel today, the apple of your eye, that you will give strength and guardianship over this land and these people. I pray for those that are trapped in and around that, that region and that country who have been influenced by such evil and such darkness Father, that you will guard and protect them and bring them to safety. Lord, we're desperate to see your hand at work. And while these kind of situations and events and timings cause some of us to wonder, is this the end of the day? Father, may we have that anticipation every day of even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We are ready to go home with you to live and to reign with you forever. But Father, we ask for your divine work, for your sovereign grace, and for your peace to be established in this place. I pray for families and people here today that we will keep our hands and our hearts open before you as we look at a text, as we study your principles and your commands, and that we find application for them into our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to focus on verses 4 through 9. And the verses I want to draw your attention to ahead of time are not on the screen. They're only going to be in your Bible. They're not on your note sheet. I want you to just to look at your word for a few moments. Give you some background as you're getting into Deuteronomy 6. You've got the children of Israel, some 2 million of them who've been wandering around out in the desert, waiting for God to take them into the promised land. And it appears that now God has said, okay, this is the time. We're getting ready to go. You're ready to do this now, but I want Moses, I want you to gather everybody together. I have some things to say to all the families, to all the people. So he brings everybody, regardless of status and relationship, he brings them all together to speak. That's the background. They're getting ready now to move into the promised land. So pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, this is the command, the statutes and the ordinances. Now notice, command, statutes, and ordinances. 
Those three words are all referencing the word of God. They're referencing the commands of God. So when you get statutes, commands, and ordinances, you know this is something I need to be paying attention to. Now catch yourself. I want you to place yourself as one of two million in the desert, getting ready to go into the promised land. God has called a family meeting. And he says, I have some instructions for the family. But because he's called a family meeting, it's not just instructions for moms and dads and grandparents and great-grandparents and aunts and uncles. It's not just for those who are married, but it's for the singles. It's not for those just with kids, but for those that don't have kids yet. A matter of fact, it's for the entire body. And that's important for you and I to understand today that what the Lord says to us in Deuteronomy 6 applies to every single one of us. We all have responsibility and we all have accountability. These families that stood in front of us this morning, we are accountable before God to them to be praying for them, to be encouraging them and to helping them to raise their families. This is an important task. So this is what we get. He goes, this is the command, the statues, the ordinances. The Lord, your God, circle the word your. The Lord, your God has commanded me, that's Moses, to teach to you. Why has he given these commands, ordinances, and statues to teach? Transition phrase, so that. We got this, you're getting this today. Deuteronomy 6 is landing in your lap today so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Now do this, that you may fear, that word fear really translates worship, that you may worship the Lord your God all the days of your life. Well, how will I worship the Lord my God all the days of my life? Transition word, by keeping all the statutes and all the commands that I'm giving you. Now I'm giving them to you, your son and your grandson, so that you may have a long life. Now look at this next word. Listen, Israel. Be careful to follow them. Why? So that you may prosper and multiply greatly. Because the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. It's an amazing three verses, isn't it? I could just camp right there. We're going to go on to a few more, but... But there's so much in here, and I hope you'll go back home. And my favorite word with Bible study is, let these three words percolate in your life. Let these three verses find that place where you study and dwell and go, Lord, what is your statutes and what are your commands? What are your ordinances for my family, for my life, for my home that you want me to know and obey? Get your pen and paper and start to write them down and start to understand them and offer it back to the Lord and go, Lord, this is what I want to do. do. This is how I want to be faithful. This is how I will honor and worship you. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your grandkids. I don't know. You will know and God will tell you. But I do know this. No matter where you go and what you do and who you are, and who you're influencing, the greatest purpose behind it is at the end of the day, we look like Jesus. At the end of the day, remember Romans 8, 28? 
And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We love that verse, don't we? I've said many times, that's the verse we quote after we back the car into another car in the grocery store parking lot. Well, all things are worked together for good. But that verse, that verse is never meant to stand alone. You have to ask the question, why do all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose? Why are these things meant for good in my life? Well, you go to verse 29. Verse 29 of that chapter goes, for whom God did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And here it is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. So why does God work things together for good in our life so that we can be conformed to the image of Jesus? God wants everything in our life to help us look like him. And you're going, but I'm raising teenagers. God wants everything in your life to help you look like him. But I've got terrible twos in the house. Even that, right? Families aren't easy. Matter of fact, families are just messy. Do I get a witness in the house? They're messy. Kids are messy. I used to love a nice, neat house and a clean car. And then God gave me kids. I, I think I am still finding french fries under the seats from when my kids are little. I'll never get, forget getting our first really nice car. I put Kara and Nathan in the car. I took them off to get milkshakes. Because what else do you do when you get a new car? Bad move. I forget which one of them what it was, but they dumped that milkshake all over the back seat of the brand new car. I thought I would just leave them there. <laughs> Kids are messy. Families are messy. Spiritual formation is messy. But God says in everything you do, wherever you go, whatever you do, I want you to follow these commands and these statutes because when you do, you will have long life. You will have joy. And you'll see the benefit of raising kids up that look like Jesus. So let me give you five principles that I think help us out of our text. And I'll go ahead and read verses four through nine, then we'll come back and unpack it a little bit. You begin in verse four, it says again, listen Israel. And this we know very well, don't we? We know this passage. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let a symbol be on your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. This passage of scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, in Jewish culture is known as the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, the Shema. Matter of fact, it's one of the most important passages to any Israelite, to any Jewish person. Uh, to this day, and now for centuries since then, but uh, before then rather, but to this day, every Jewish family will recite the Shema before they exit their home in the mornings. Moms and dads and kids gather together and they have this passage memorized and they repeat it every single day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
The words that I'm giving you today, they are supposed to be on your heart. So repeat them in your home and to your children. Talk about them when you lie down and, or when you sit, when you walk along the road and when you get up. Put them as a sign around your neck. Write them up as a symbol upon your forehead. Put them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. Why? So that everybody may see it. This is an important anchor passage of scripture. And if it's that important to our Jewish folks, it's equally as important to you and I. It's in the word of God. And God said, now look at verse four. Just pay attention to this. He says, listen, Israel. Listen, church. Listen, fellowship Bible. Listen, believer. Pay close attention, young adult. Moms and dads, Highlight this passage. Grandparents, great-grandparents, don't walk away from this. Aunts and uncles, you have a responsibility here. Listen, he says. And then he gives us these principles. Let me give you verse four. The first one is I want you to recognize what God says as to who's in control. Recognize who's in control. The text says... Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Parents, have you ever realized and recognized that sometimes it feels like once you got kids, you lost all control? The animals have now taken over the zoo, so to speak. They're the ones that are in charge. They dictate your schedule. They dictate your meals. You ask a kid, what do they want to eat? It's never going to be anything good it, or healthy anyway. It'll be good. It just won't be healthy. You want to pay the electric bill or go to McDonald's? Kids are going to go, McDonald's? They will upend every decision that we make. And here's the challenge in families. Here's the challenge in personal walk. I see two of our college kids home, Dylan and Ashley. Man, I'd like to have some of those days to live over again. We were talking today about being back on Liberty's campus and decisions I can make. Can I, can I just stick with me, everybody? You two, take Deuteronomy 6 and tattoo it on your heart. Listen, the Lord your God is one. And he's saying to you, I want you to recognize who's in control. And you're on a college campus and you're out from underneath mom and dad for a little bit and you're going, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last, right? But what you really want to go is, Lord, surrendered, surrendered. I want every day of my life to be surrendered. Moms and dads, can I say the same thing to you? When you stood up here, moms and dads, with these kids and you offered them back to the Lord, realize this, God is the leader of your home. God is the primary influencer. God is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And he still sits on the throne. He still guides. He still provides. And he is the only one that matters in your home. He matters first. He matters foremost. 
And the problem that we have, especially when we start to raise kids and we, bring, we start to, to expand our families, is that our families get distracted by lesser gods. Everything else starts to take priority. You can go, I know where this is going. You're getting ready to sound like a preacher. If church is optional for you all as parents, for your kids, if you make church optional for your kids, your church will, the church will never be important when they're adults. When you allow lesser gods to take the priority of bringing your children up in the admonition of the Lord, as Scripture would say, in the church, when we allow lesser gods to take the priority, then we can no longer say the Lord our God is one in our home. We can no longer say the Lord is the one that is in control. And here's the truth. I think it's super easy, especially today, to teach our kids to worship other gods. And you go, I'm not doing that. Don't fire me. I'm just now getting unpacked, okay? <laughs> but can we hear hard truths today? Stop, parents and grandparents, and evaluate your home. Evaluate your time. Evaluate what you invest in. Evaluate where you put the influence in your home and ask yourself before God, is there anything here in my schedule and in my budget that takes higher priority than you? Am I teaching my kids that there are things that are greater in life than you? And you go, well, preacher, what are some of those things? You know them. You know them very well. I read this week from Tim Keller who said, we never break the other commandments without breaking the first one. Remember the Ten Commandments? We never break the other nine that we don't break number one. You shall have no other gods before me. So all I ask us to do today is to investigate and identify and dismantle the lesser gods that we have in our life and recognize who's really in control. Making sense? Still with me? Still have my job? Two. Be authentic before God and your children. I got to tell you, if I'm, if I'm one of these children of Israel in these days and I hear that there's going to be a big family meeting and God's going to give me some instructions on how to, to raise my kids and to, to uh, build a good family. I'm coming with pen and paper. I'm going, I can't wait to hear God, how God says what I should do the next time my kids roll their eyes at me. Remember the old Bill Cosby line, don't you? Don't you roll your eyes at me. I roll your head right off your shoulders. That was my mother's point of view. I can't wait to hear what God says the next time that my teenager says, you don't have a clue to what you're talking about. 
And then you get in the meeting, pen and paper ready for God to tell you everything that your kids are doing wrong and everything that they should be doing right. And God begins with, by the way, moms and dads, the Lord your God is one. If you don't get me right, you won't get anything else right. And then he says, principle two, you need to be authentic before me and your children. I'm going, I thought this was here to talk about my kids' behavior. And God goes, before we'll ever talk about the kids' behavior, let's talk about the parents' behavior. Before we ever talk about how we train up kids, let's talk about how we train up parents and grandparents. If you'll notice here, you look at verses 5 and 6, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words that I'm giving you are to be in your heart. Five times the personal pronoun your shows up. So before God dresses our, our role as parent, he addresses our heart and our intentions. Simply put, God always starts with who you and I need to be, not with how our kids need to behave. Oh, that was good. You should write that down. God will always start with how you and I should be, before he begins with how our kids should behave. Well, I want my kids to learn how to be right. Teach them. Model it for them. Live it out before them. Oh, this one's going to sting. Did you know that who you portray to be at church should look the same way at the house? Do you know how many of us dress all this up and get ready to come to church? And it's not just lipstick and mirrors and hairspray, not that I deal with that, but it's not all this stuff of dressing up the external, is it? So many of us put on the facade of what we think we want our families to look like. It's amazing how many families walked in here today, you hit those doors and you were smiling and you were happy, but I don't even want to know what took place in the car or the house getting here. Armageddon, before you walked in the doors. And then you walk in and it's all happy and rainbows and bunnies and smiles. Moms and dads, if you want to raise kids that will honor the Lord, that will know the Lord, that will have a relationship with the Lord, this is pretty simple, isn't it? Be authentic. And don't show up at church and put on a facade and then get home and live like thunder. Don't stand in the church and pray as if you have this great relationship with the Lord and get home and be abusive. Is this important? You think it is? But it's not easy, is it? I raised two kids in the pastor's home. I grew up in the pastor's home. It got real easy to stand here and teach and preach 
and tell you what God's word says and how to love your kids and how to love your spouse. But just go talk to Sue for a little bit. Go talk to Kara and Nathan for a little bit. And they'll tell you, Dad struggled when he got home at times. I wasn't always and haven't always been the husband I need to be and the dad I need to be. And who I portray at church hasn't always gone home with me. You go, well, preacher, you're a hypocrite. There are times I may very well be. But I can tell you with sincere heart today, my desire is that I will love my God who is one with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Do I get a witness today? Anybody want to do that? Anybody with me, you don't do it perfectly. And God's grace is sufficient. I want these words that are given to us today to be on my heart. Do you know what it means to be on your heart? It means to be authentic. It's not just what you say. It's not just how you act, but it is who you are. Oh, to God, that we'd be authentic before God and before our kids. That anyone, any child in this church, that who they see here in this church and how we behave here would be exactly who they would meet out on the streets. And they would know that the people I go to church with, they are the real deal. How do you do that? Three things. I, they're not on your handout. I give them to you just briefly we'll unpack them later but if you really want to shepherd your kids if you really want to be authentic with your kids I'm going to give you three things teaching the word of God we'll get to that in a few moments live out life experiences with them life will get messy so walk them through it and walk them through it with scripture and then model for them give them the example you remember Paul? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I think that's just the boldest statement in the world, isn't it? Mike, can you imagine standing up before everybody in church and going, okay, live exactly like me, talk exactly like me, behave exactly like me, and you'll look exactly like Jesus. And Betty just looked over at him and went, <laughs> And yet Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And when you have these little ones around you and you have your kids around you, you know what we're saying? Look at me, watch me, and you'll look like Jesus. I think it's fair to say that your faith walk is defined by your practices or defined by your relationship, not by your practices. It's defined by who you are in Christ. So parents and grandparents and friends and family have that intimate relationship with the Lord and make him the Lord of your life. And you know what? I, I think this is true. Kids listen better when they see authenticity. Kids behave better when they see it lived out in their home. 
Number two, three. Are we on three? We're on three. Accept the responsibility of teaching the scriptures in your home. Boy, I can't emphasize this enough. Look what he says here. He says, talk about them. This is the scriptures. This is the commands, the statutes, the ordinances. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. I hear so many moms and dads go, you know, I'm intimidated to read with my spouse, to pray with my spouse, to, to do devotions with my kids. What if they ask me questions I don't know? Well, good grief, we dealt with that all of our lives, haven't we? You're not afraid to go out in society because someone will ask you a question you don't know. Tim, what if someone asks you a business question that you don't know? You know what you're going to do? I'm going to go find the answer for them. It's the exact same thing in our homes. This is what we do. But oftentimes, sadly, we have abdicated the role and the responsibility of teaching the scriptures in our homes to our Sunday school teachers or to our Christian school teachers or to a youth group leader or to someone other than us because maybe we'll let the professionals teach them the word of God. But when you go back to Deuteronomy 6, he says, now listen to me, family. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he said, right? And let these words and command and statutes be upon your heart. Because when they are on your heart, you will be able to talk about them freely in your home. Here's the reality. If you and I aren't talking about the scriptures in our home with our spouse and with our kids, nine times out of ten, it's because we're not in the scriptures ourselves. It's because we're not learning it, we're not studying it, and we're not hiding it in our heart. And we bring these kids into the world, and we want them to grow up to be these great men and women and do great things and be moral people. And some of us are even praying that they will be godly people. I listened to Ben and Kayla yesterday, and they were talking about how they wanted Wesley to grow up to be able to share the gospel. That was their prayer. Helping him be bold and sharing his faith. I thought, what great parents. And then they said, but help us do it first. Really great parents. Live it out first and give a, teach them the responsibility. But here's the truth. As moms and dads, you are ordained to be the minister in your home. You are the pastor. You are the shepherd. The church is here to be a partner for you but not to replace you. The Christian school is here to help you, but not to replace you. So start with family devotions. You go, I don't know how to do that. We'll help you. Start talking about the Bible. Start small. Don't over-spiritualize everything. You know, it doesn't have to be when you go to the sink and you're washing dishes. Of, you know, this dirty dish, that's like your heart. It you can do that, but don't spiritualize everything, okay? Find these opportunities just to walk with your kids. My, my mama, I, I hope you all get to meet her one day. She's one of the funniest ladies I've ever met in my life. Great Bible teacher. And we grew up in Ironton, Ohio, and every time there was a big rainstorm, not sprinkle stuff. We wanted the downpour. Big rain. Mom would go, hey, Todd, you want to take a walk? In the rain? But off she and I would go up 6th Street in Ironton, Ohio. 
And mom and I had the best talks in the rain. Yesterday, there was a downpour rain in Bridgeport, and all I could think of was, man, I wish I could take a walk with mom. Because on those walks in the rain on 6th Street, she was pouring Jesus into me. And she was pouring life into me. And I remember being a 16-year-old kid, and I had just gotten in some, some serious trouble, and I would made a really bad decision, and I had dishonored the Lord and our family name, and everything I thought we stood for and some of you are sitting out there going wonder what it was hush <laughs> but I will never forget being 16 years old and just really messed up and God in his kindness sent a rainstorm that day and my mama rolled up beside me and said hey Todd you want to take a walk? I remember her taking me to Psalm 51 of learning how to pray and to confess before the Lord and hearing her say, the Lord's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. And teaching me the scriptures. I grew up in an old century house that had two sets of stairs. Anybody grew up in a house like that? You had the front set and the back set. The back step came back into the kitchen. I grew up coming downstairs every morning, kitchen table set in the center of the room. Dad sat at the far end of the table, head of the table. And every morning that I came down, he was at that table reading his Bible. Did I have a perfect home? Far from it. Do I have perfect parents? Absolutely not. But I'm thankful that they were real before me and they took the responsibility to take, teach the scriptures in my home and to teach them to me and to help them come alive. Mom taught me how to experience the word of God and I pray that you'll do the same thing. Fourth principle I give you today Staying in verse 7, it says you talk about them when you sit in your home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And what we're talking about here is just in the general rhythms of life. Not just on Sunday mornings, but in the rhythms of life. How we live, how we work, how we play, we're sharing and we're bringing up our kids and what I want you to learn here is to learn to how to speak into your home with a greater influence than the world has. Speak with a greater influence than the world has. I don't mean to give so many personal examples today, but it's all I got, okay? I remember my very first girlfriend. She broke my heart. Anybody remember... Puppy, they called it puppy, puppy love, right? Here's the deal. It's real to the puppy, all right? I was just so brokenhearted. All of 13 years old and thought I had met the one. You know how that goes. 
Mom took me to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we sat in the car. And she let a 13-year-old boy just cry his eyes out over his first lost love. To tell me, you know, you stay faithful. You stay pure. God will send you the right one. I mean, he'll never do it. I lost her. I found her. You ever heard this saying that it's not so much quantity as it is quality time? You ever heard that? We need quality time, not so much quantity time. Can I submit to you that that's pretty ridiculous? Seldom do I ever find that we have quantity or quality if we don't have quantity. I don't want to choose between quality or quantity time with my spouse, with my kids, and my soon-to-be grandboy. I want both. I want, I want to be a voice of reason in my home. I didn't look at the number. It would be embarrassing to him and, and maybe to me as well, but the number of times that my son called me last week. Easily in the 20s. That he called me in one week talking about work and a job that he's dealing with and a pregnant wife. I mean, that alone is 20 calls, right? The responsibilities of being a new dad in a few weeks. The fears of getting it right. And the call yesterday to go, thanks. Folks, I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're going. And I'm not trying to put one family in front of others. And families are tough. And we have kids that have walked far away from the Lord. Right? We have brokenness all around us. But what I want to impress upon us out of this passage is this. No matter the age and the stage of your children and your grandchildren, remain a steady, clear voice in their life. I will be 57 years old this week and I will still lean upon the clarion voice of my dad. And you go, well, shouldn't you grow up? If that's what you think growing up means, I hope I never do. I want to always allow the father that God gave me to have a voice in my life. And for some of you are thinking, all I have to do is get my kids to 18 and then I'm done. Rethink parenting. Rethink that. God's given you them to you as a stewardship for the rest of your life. And I'm really this far out of time. Number five. Live out your faith publicly. Tie them in the symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them onto your door frames and on your gates. Say, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'll just give this to you. Moms and dads, your first step away from the Lord will be three steps away for your kids. Let me say that again. Your first step away from the commands and the statutes of the Lord 
will express itself as three steps away in your kids' lives. You know, I thought we were here to talk about the dedication of babies. Well, we're here to talk about families and churches raising up children that will know the Lord and give their lives to Him. You have to chase this thing back, every one of us, to the first point. Is the Lord your God today? He is God, right? But now is He your God? Have you made that decision? Have you recognized Him as Lord of Lord and King of Kings? Have you surrendered your life? Have you received His free gift of forgiveness? The second thing we have to recognize today is I may have said I've done those things, but am I really authentic before Him? Has there been any change? Is it real? What difference is the gospel making in your life? Everything else hinges on those. Do you know Him today? And are you following Him today? Let me deal with the first. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today's the day. It's the best day to simply bow your head before the Lord and surrender your heart and go, Lord, I accept the free gift of your forgiveness. I want to be saved today. You go, everybody's looking at me. Don't worry about it. I'm just curious, anybody in the room today going, I want to be saved today. Bold enough to just raise your hand and go, I want to make that decision today. Second part. Anybody in the room today go, I know I have an influence on kids and grandkids and nephews and nieces and people in my church. I know I have an influence around me. But regardless of my influence, I want to be authentic before the Lord first. Anybody in the room? I want my life to count for the Lord first. Mm -hmm. Serious stuff. Michael, I'm going to close the service differently today. I'm just going to wrap it up right here. Okay? You all know, he's opening his Bible again. <laughs> Go back to it. I want you to stand with me. You got your Bibles? If you do, if you got your phone, you got an app, you got it. We have too many translations to be able to say it all together, but I... I want this to be our prayer. And as you read these verses, personalize it. Make it yours. And this is how we end today. Lord, I will listen. I recognize you today as God. 
as the Lord of all and the only one that matters. Verse 5. I choose this day to love you, God, with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my strength. Verse 6. And I intend for your word to rest upon my heart every day. I commit to you today to repeat, to tell your word to those in my house. And I ask that you'll give me opportunity to share the scriptures in just the natural rhythms of life. Verse 8, I will bind this word upon my heart and I will live it in such a way that it's written on the doorpost of my home and in the footsteps of my life. And Father, would you do it for this church and would you do it for us as individuals? Would you unleash us this week in this community to live gospel-centered lives, to establish homes that give you glory and honor, and to raise up kids that will know you at an early age and follow you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said with me.